The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Katrina. Then very blessed. No damage. No lost power because I've got friends of mine and also people I deal with on a regular basis that still don't have power and won't have power for another couple of days. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I still have very, a lot of coworkers that do not have power. And I feel so bad. I mean, I don't feel that bad because I had co-workers that never lost power. And we got hit harder than you guys did or Tampa did or uh, Naples and, and all that. I mean, yeah, Fort Myers and Naples kind of got direct hits. But we, I think that by then it was still a category. It was a category two or whatever when it hit them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got hit hard, but still we, we got lucky that it. I feel bad for the Keys. 
Uh, they got the direct hit of the big storm. Uh, I've seen images of what that looks like. It doesn't look good. Uh, the people that decided to stay, I totally get you don't want to leave your house, but there's a reason they tell you to evacuate, folks. I mean, yeah. you, should, you should probably do that. Between the keys and especially before it even hit here stateside, looking at all the islands in the Caribbean, that's just gone. 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 Yeah. Uh, my sister, I think, got power in Puerto, uh, Puerto Rico like a day before we did, or a couple of days before we did. I think she got hers back on Sunday. Okay. So, you know, at, I mean, she spends a lot of her time at the hospital anyway, but still, it's always nice to go home and have power. That's why I say I feel bad for my coworkers that you're going home after a long day of work and it's like, and they probably don't have the luck that I did that we had a generator that my uncle got to turn on. And uh, we at least had Wi-Fi and some light. He didn't. He didn't turn it into the generator that. Like a lot of people use their generator and they turn it, use it to power their entire, you know, apartment or house. He didn't mm-hmm. do that. He just had it outside, and we picked certain things that we we were going to power. So, but yeah, it's we survived, and we can slowly get back to normal. Lots of. Lights still out on US-1, which is dangerous because here in Miami, people do not know how to drive. And they do not understand what a four-way stop means. I don't know how many times I had to stop because this other car should have waited for me and did not. Uh, So (laughs) every day going home from work is an adventure now until they fix these lights. The same with me because I've got a big four-way stop on dealing with one of the major roads, Phillips Highway, which is part of our trunk of US-1, and connecting with 9B, which connects two of the main interstates. And now, because of uh, flooding near Ocala, we're going to get a lot of traffic in our town for people who can't take I-75, so, hey, that's going to be fun. Yeah, this uh, this whole thing is it's supposedly everything is supposed to be fixed by the weekend. We'll see how that goes other than the keys. Obviously, they're going to have a longer road to hoe there, but hopefully, you know, uh, everybody is getting back to normal here in South Florida. Again, luckily, we did not get the Hurricane Harvey uh, total annihilation thing. But, again, we also have draining and everything else that Houston does not have, which may have helped in that regard. But still, lots of trees down. My apartment complex had people's fences blown off and shutters blown off. I went to Taco Bell over by the Walmart on 137 and and US-1, and it... uh, or 137 and then 289, and it was, the Taco Bell sign was blown off, and all you saw was the remnants of it. The pole was still standing, but then I looked by the dumpster, and the Taco Bell sign was over there. So <laughs> it was kind of funny. Hey, um, I got hungry. <laughs> yeah, you know, or I got hungry. There was no uh, sour cream on any. They had to tell me about three times that I was not going to get sour cream on anything. I was like, I, I think I'll be all right. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, enough about what happened with the hurricane. Um, 
it's uh, a good news that both Tampa Bay and Miami ownership are, are already donating $1 million to the relief for that. Uh, don't know if the players are going to do anything J.J. Watt-esque, but anything helps at this point for those. J.J. Uh, Watt's tally, I think, is at $32 million at this point, which is a ridiculous number. But Oh, it, 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 at last check, it was actually close to 34 Four. Wow. Yeah, that's, and they're that's insane. If you want to get in on it, it's winding down. Uh, if you're hopefully by the time you're listening to this on demand, it's scheduled to end noon Friday the fifteenth. So. Mm. Yeah. Uh. I mean, that it's still phenomenal what he was able to do and all the other people that donated and everything else. So it's a pretty cool deal. Gary should be joining us here in a little bit. He's He's got some things going on. Uh, so either way, I don't think he watched the uh, Thursday night game, so we'll go ahead and start with that. And then whenever uh, Gary can join us, he'll, he'll be in for the predictions uh, segment and then some news here. That It's not a lot of news. Most of it we can just kind of tie in with the – when we get to the preview, but yeah, so Houston wins 13-9, a very defensive game, if you want to say that, if you want to call it a chess match for field position, you can call it that, you can also just call it a kind of not very fun game to watch either, unless you are one of those that likes defensive battles, and as someone that kind of likes, just loves football in general, it doesn't bother me. I don't really ever get uh, totally, I'm taking notes too, so it always kind of keeps me occupied here. But coming off a performance where the Cincinnati Bengals don't score any points, nine is better than zero, not enough to win this game, but they go now two games without scoring a touchdown. Not good. Marvin Lewis had to field questions about Andy Dalton's job security after the game, which he said his job security is not in doubt at all. Should it be, though, Eric? Uh-oh. I might have lost Eric. This is great. Always love when things do not work out on the technology end. I need to remember to um, block the the Skype sound here. I should have done that, but... Oh, here we go. Let me uh, answer this call here, hopefully. All right, so both of you guys are on now. And, of, and of course, my internet had to spontaneously die. Yeah, Uh-oh. I'm going to do a lot of reworking for the wireless connection in various rooms of my house. I should have hit uh, pause on the recorder when I lost you, Eric, but I didn't. So it is uh, what it is at this point. Sorry sorry about that, folks, but okay. <laughs> Let's, Eric, I was asking you, you know, Marvin Lewis had to field questions about Nitty Dalton's job security after once again going touchdownless 
for the second consecutive week. Marvin Lewis said no as they're getting ready to face the uh, Packers next week in Green Bay. Should his job be up for grabs at this point? If A.J. McCarron wasn't so deficient, I would say yes, open up the competition, but if you're only managing three field goals in two games with Andy Dalton, you're only going to get worse with McCarron under center. So, unfortunately, you just have to ride this out, take your lumps, go 0-3, and go back to the drawing board. Gary, what do you think? I, I don't know how much of the game you got to watch or anything, but do you think Andy Dalton needs to be worrying about his job at this point? or I think everybody in that Bengals organization needs to worry about their job. Maybe Geno Atkins is the only guy I could look at and say, wow, pretty good job there. Uh, everyone else doesn't seem exactly I, on the I'd same page. I'd say A.J. Green is pretty safe considering it's not his fault Andy Dalton's yeah I mean AJ Green is a great receiver but you know you also have to think about his age and all that kind of stuff so I mean it's not like he's too worried about it anyway um but yeah I mean you're you guess you could throw him out there as well I, I just look at this as a situation where this team should be better than they are and yes, they're dealing with a few suspensions you know benef uh, well just one probably I think it's uh Benefit. I can't even say his name. Benefit. Perfect. Thank, thank you. I couldn't think of it. Uh, but besides that, I mean, really, they should have everybody in gear. They've got a pretty solid team. I mean, I, I like a lot of their players. They got two tackles on that offensive line that should be able to handle their business and, and keep things going for Andy Dalton. Make sure he stays protected. They got some good receivers. They got some running backs. Joe Mixon's a great young running back that's added to that addition. So the offense shouldn't only be scoring field goals and not able to get into the end zone and score bigger points. And that defense is just not the defense we remember. And I think coming into this year, we predicted, oh, yeah, Cincinnati will be good. And I think now we're understanding some of that's fading away. And it's not what it once was. And if I'm a Cincinnati fan, if I am any of the coaching staff, I need to start talking about if we can't get this thing turned around, where can I go next? I would say that the Bengals' defense is not the problem here. They did what they were supposed to do. They sacked Watson about three three times. I missed a portion of the first quarter, but for memory, the yeah, just three times in the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they sacked him. They got to him. Of course, it doesn't help Houston's offensive line. is is not good either. Uh, it, neither offensive line was particularly good on this night, but. They stuffed Houston twice on third and ones, and I think they might have done it one other time. I mean, you're you're running a pretty big guy in Foreman, too, uh, who's not easy to uh, just stuff like that. So, I mean, for me, the Bengals' defense wasn't the problem. Yeah, you know, do you need to tackle Deshaun Watson on that 49-yard big play run that he had for the one touchdown in the game. Yeah, but I, I think you got to give credit to the fullback for that big block and everything else. And I, that's just a busted play that Watson read well, and most of his big 67-yard uh, rushing performance was on that one play, and then he had the 11-yarder that kind of 
that sealed the game for the winning field goal, but or the the field goal that put them ahead and out of reach for the Bengals. But I, I feel like you can't really ask much more of this defense to do what they did here. And, I, and yeah. really, what really, and I agree, the defense isn't the problem with Cincinnati. They held their own against Houston, who had a weak offensive performance against Jacksonville last week, and they did less than Stellar against Baltimore, but they stepped up. But you brought up a good point. As they stuffed Houston on third and one, lest we forget, at 10-9, the crowd booing, begging to see a touchdown. Marvin Lewis put the ultimate faith in his offense, fourth and two, deep in the Houston territory, and said, hey, you go get this. Nothing happened. It's moments like that to where I agree. Defense, you've shown tremendous improvement. The offense has gone almost nowhere. Yeah, but I really don't know if, I mean, I agree. The offense is going nowhere, and the offense is the bigger problem. I'll agree with you guys on that. But I think the defense needs to hold themselves accountable. There is no reason for this defense, who was pretty much the same defense who had, you know, in, in a, the last three years before this year coming in, held some bigger teams and stronger teams than the one you're looking at tonight to a, a lot less. And now we're looking at them and saying, oh, you guys are doing great. Look, you what you did on this. You stuffed them. You sacked them. There were no sacks in the second half. That offensive line for Houston is not good. That's a big problem for me. So that that shows a lack of strength on your defense. That shows me right there. You can't put pressure on a young quarterback like Deshaun Watson. There's something going on. And then you let DeAndre Hopkins continually just make Jones look terrible. And you don't do anything to stop it. You just say, oh, no, he'll do it. I'll just leave it alone. No, most defensive coordinators find a way. They say, okay, this is happening way too much. Let's adjust it. Jones can't do it. Let's see who else can. Let's find a way. Let's do it. And they just were not able to do it. And so I think the defense has some to blame. But you guys are right. Cincinnati's offense has lost them two straight games. And it seems to me they're going to lose them probably quite a few more if they continue on this journey. I'm going to have to disagree with you again here, Gary. Here are their drives in the second half. Punt, 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 the field goal. And, oh, you gave your team a whole two minutes to drive down the field and get a touchdown. And the offense couldn't do it. I mean, what else do you want them to do? I mean, this is... I want them to sack the quarterback. They sack the quarterback. They don't have to no, sack them all the time. Yes, they do. Yes, you, you have to get him. more pressure. They're no. getting him to move did you out watch of the, the pocket. Game? Yes. Did you watch the game tonight? Yes, did you I did sit watch it. Okay, yes, so did, okay then you both guys, so you both watched it. So how much pressure did Deshaun Watson really have? Because I sat there and I watched him, and he had time. And he actually ran. Look at the stats. Go look on the same stats you're looking at. See how many yards did Deshaun Watson ran in the second half? Uh, okay. He ran, yeah. okay, 49 yards of that was before the end of the half. Okay. So he ran, uh, 11 yards was on the scamper that he got that put them in field goal range to get the three points. So the okay. rest of that, the rest of the 15 yards, which was not on the, 
which was like a two-yard run here, a three-yard run here, a five-yard run there. I mean, come on now. I, I we're ask, we're they're putting pressure on him. He's moving around in the pocket and either throwing it away or getting it to Hopkins because at some point that defense wears down and and Jones couldn't. Uh, they were able to to take advantage of that matchup late where Hopkins was kind of getting the better of Jones until they got called on that offensive pass interference once. But I just feel like, again, they got that field goal at the end, but your, your damn offense can't go and score a touchdown at all in this game. You have two minutes to drive down there. You get, you get two big plays and then the rest of it, you can't do anything after that. I mean, Come on, just backing off of that. And I can't believe I'm going to use this as a frame of reference. Not everybody is going to have a defensive performance like the Jaguars, who sacked Savage and Watson a, a total of 10 times. That is an aberration. That is not the standard. And especially the fact that knowing that Watson was the starter, what did Bill O'Brien do? He didn't have Watson in the pocket so much. It was a lot of runs, more checkdowns to get the ball out of his hand, rollouts like they did with Trubisky in the preseason. Make him work with half the field, do something to get the defense off balance, and then you go ahead and open up the playbook later in the game. And to their credit, even with being off balance with that mobility, especially in the first half, Cincinnati held their own. Now, up until five minutes left in the second quarter, Houston had something like, what, 60, 70 yards of offense? It's it's up to your defense is doing that well, especially early. You have to get a touchdown to build confidence and give your team a lead. I'm just saying that, that let's look at this also on the offensive side. How many times did Cincinnati have the ball in good field position and they waste it? Oh, yeah. Yep. You guys are not wrong on that. You guys are not. I mean, we are agreeing on at least that fact that the offense lost this game. There's no doubt about it. Okay. My, I mean, I mean, I don't know where you got that. I was saying that the offense didn't. I mean, I'm not saying the defense was trash. The defense was decent. They were not good. They were decent. You're playing a rookie quarterback. You're playing an offensive line that is not very good. You're playing a team that really the strength. Maybe the right receivers. Lamar Miller has yet to prove himself, and, and you got a rookie and another running back. And, and so my, my point in this is there was a lot of things that defensively they probably could have got right, but they they could have not probably saved most of anything because the offense would give him nothing in return. Right? They were playing with one hand behind their back, and that's why you saw a low-scoring game. Right? So uh, that's all I'm saying is the defense had no shot. They they did what they could, but I still think that they 
could be given a little bit of fault. We've got to at least admit that they did allow Deshaun Watson to get out of the pocket. They did allow a few things to take place. They were not perfect on this night. They weren't perfect, but they shouldn't have to be perfect. They did better than decent. They did really good. Come on. Davian Clowney goes and intercepts that or uh, picks up the, the fumble, gets him all the way down to the 20, and they keep him to a field goal after that. I mean, like, you know, I, I just don't understand where we're saying the defense was just decent here. They did what they were supposed to do. Watson is a mobile quarterback. He's going to get out. Even, even if you're rushing guys through him, he's fast. This is why Tom Savage is not playing. And, yes, that offensive line is awful, and I don't know how much better they're going to be with Dwayne Brown there at left tackle whenever he comes back. I mean, this is helping him get his deal he wants uh, through two games right now. But I just feel like, again, I know we're all agreeing that the offense lost him the game, but I, I'm still at this point of saying – the special teams did what they were supposed to do. Erickson got them really good field position on run mm-hmm. backs. I don't know how many times. The Other than Jones and, and Hopkins having that little battle in the fourth quarter there, which, again, I'm going to argue that by that point, the, the Bengals' defense was worn down because they were on the field so much. The, offensively, the three-headed running system works to an extent – but that only works if you have a better offensive line. Each one of those guys got him first down to certain points. You know, Jeremy Hill had the thing where he almost died landing on his head. Uh, you know, Mixon, I thought they didn't use Mixon enough in this game. Uh, Tyler Eifert had his spots where he looked good. He made some good, you know, important catches. Uh, John Ross, what a debut. You come in and you screw up. And then you don't get to be heard from again. I mean, come on, man. You got to do better than that. And oh yeah, it, you know it. They're they're counting on him to be the the second, you know, the third receiver aside from Eifert and and Green. And then Green pretty much disappears after the the big play, which that that was also a very bad uh, thing for the the Bengals. There, you get that fifty yard bomb to Green, and then you get a field goal out of it. I mean, that already sets you on the a bad foot there if you're the Bengals. But, you know, if you're Houston, if you're Deshaun Watson, I think the big deal here is if you have hope now for your team and that they looked a lot more serviceable with him out there than the statue Savage. So maybe Bill O'Brien finally got this one right. I don't know. But again, I think it's concerning, Gary, that the things that happened that were important were Watson using his legs and not using his arm. Yeah, he had important throws at the end of the game to kind of keep the the drive going and, and get that last field goal. But again, the things that got you the points were his legs. I know that's why you got him out there. But uh, I don't know. I feel like when it comes down to those important passes that need to be made, can you count on them for those? Yeah. And that's a big question. And, you know, coming into the season, we were really kind of curious about Deshaun Watson, right? Because he was 
pretty darn efficient when he was in Clemson. And so you thought that could translate. What can we get when he actually gets to the next level? And I think right now it's hard to expect a guy to get to this level and, you know, be able to do everything that we want. Right. And not every guy is going to come into this league and just, you know, light the thing on fire. What excites me about him is the fact that he does seem to have some big football intelligence. He's not putting his team in danger, not giving the ball away. He's able to make decisions. But you're right, Sean. Running is a crutch sometimes. And that could be a problem once they face some really big situations because he may not make those throws that are right wide open because he's terrified and he just uses his legs and they end up not getting those big plays in. It's a, you know, it's, it's a deal where I want to say this guy has talent, but he's not yet got the experience. And are we going to continue to see that? I think I'm with you, Sean. I have that fear that his legs are going to be what he uses more than his arm. And that's a problem sometimes. Eric, I mean, I think for the Bengals, obviously, we talked about, you know, Dalton, what, you know, his, you know, Gary mentioned everybody needs to be worried about their job security right now, but mm-hmm. I, I think you're looking at this and you're going, how do you, is there a way to fix this for the Bengals? Personally, aside from their offensive line, No. Because they're for their talent, they've got a running game to win whenever they are able to establish it. That can get some very good four, five, six yard runs early on. You can bust those bigger at the end of the game under the right circumstances. But keeping Dalton upright was one thing. They weren't, they haven't been able to do the last two games. Gary mentioned their offensive line is just terrible. I think you fix that, that will help matters. But even if you fix that, there's no guarantee that all the offensive ails are going to be just cured. I don't know that you can just fix that like that. That that stuff takes time. No, and I, and I understand that it's not an overnight thing. But, I mean, if you're looking at one thing to potentially look at, it's that. I feel like for me, you've got three running backs, right? Why are mm-hmm. you not using Bernard and or Mixon in the passing game more? Well, I think it's because they're in, they made the announcement, Jeremy Hill, this is most likely going to be his last year in Cincinnati. He's going to be somewhere else. And then they're going to try to integrate Mixon to be first and second down back and Bernard is a third down back. That's a great strategy for 2018, but you're not in 2018 yet. And if you want Mixon to be the back on those first two downs, use him more as a check down option. Use him more on swing passes or screens or this and that. Build up that confidence and at least try to generate something. Fair enough. I just feel like you gotta you gotta give yourself more versatility. Get spread, you know, you you get to be able to spread. You have these guys out there. Try to get them out on the field at the same time, at least to disguise things and make the defense have to think about what you're doing. 
instead of being very methodical, let's just march down the field. If we can't run, we're kind of screwed. If I can't get it to A.J. Green, that was a problem Dalton had because he was forcing it to Green in situations where he didn't need to. And then it's like, well, oh, Tyler Eifert bailed me out, or I don't know how many times Erickson had to just come back for a pass or, or whatever whenever Dalton wasn't being hurried around and just throwing it away. But let's be honest, two bad performances for him in two games, and you've got a, a Packers defense at home that, yeah, that that's not something I want to really mess with if I'm – on that Bengals offensive line right now, but yeah, you saw what they did to Seattle. Yeah, it. Yeah, and they have an equally just as bad offensive line. So if <laughs> now for Houston, yeah, they, who knows? They might. They actually usually fare decently well against the Patriots. So. Uh, you know, if you get to Tom Brady, you keep it close like you like you did this game. Let's see. Maybe maybe Watson can win you one with his legs or something like that. So going to be an interesting week three uh, for that team, certainly. Uh, and a big turning point, depending on what happens to the Patriots in, in week two that we're going to talk about, that, that could be a, a huge game for them. Uh, so... Yeah, I think I think we're done here talking about this Thursday night game. We probably talked way more than we should we should have, considering what the score was. But uh, that, <laughs> hey, sometimes you have discussions on these things, and, it, and it's good instead of just going, "Eh, this person won. We're done. Whatever." So let's get into talking about the the games from that are coming up here uh, this week. One of the big storylines coming out of the Monday night games was Adrian Peterson complaining about saying, and he said it today or yesterday, I didn't sign up for nine snaps. And arguing with Sean Payton on the sideline about his playing time then trying to backtrack and say that he knows he's got, you know, two capable backs beside him, but he's able to bust it out at any point. It doesn't matter when. Just give him the ball. He can take it to the house. He's 32 now, but I understand Peterson having a lot of faith in himself. Do you think this is going to be a problem for them going forward here making decisions on who's supposed to be running the ball here. When Mark Ingram probably sitting there going, hey, I've been with this team way before you were. I, I should be getting the ball here too. I mean, can these these three guys, can, can the egos deal with each other? Oh, yes. It's really going to be tough. I'm going to be optimistic and say yes, but knowing Adrian Peterson and having that kind of a little bit of a chip on his shoulder from how he left Minnesota, this could easily blow up in everybody's face very, very easily. 
Yeah, this is a situation where you've got three guys that honestly deserve uh, playing time, but do they want to share those carries equally? Uh, probably not. And is Adrian Peterson really going to be happy in just that, you know, I get a third of the carries role? Probably not. This is probably going to be a really tough season for him unless one of the other two guys get injured and he gets a chance to play a little bit more. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. But usually, you know, that's kind of the way you get stuck playing more time. And this is also kind of confusing, too, because, you know, in the past, well, this has been more of a passing team, right? And the running game has been more of, you know, a complement to that, really. It has not really been a situation where they, you know, oh, they ran Sproles 50-50 with the passing game. No, that was never the case back then. And today it's not going to be the case, I don't believe, in 2017. And I like a lot of their backs, but I have a feeling Sean Payton has something in mind, and it's not really to what Adrian Peterson wants. I think they're going to use this uh, Kamara guy and really use him a lot more. I think he likes him. He thinks he is Darren Sproles. And these other guys will just be the compliments when they get close to the goal line, when they do some of these other things. And that could cause a lot of problems with Ingram, too. I don't think he's opened his mouth up about this, but I think, like you said, Sean, he's already been sitting here for a while, and he feels like he's earned that number one spot. Now, all of a sudden, he's not really number one. I think it's – you're right about Kamara being the guy that changes things for them. He's he's the guy that can the break things open. We saw it in the preseason. You can make the case of, oh, it's against, you know, whatever, whatever you want to – you know, whatever kind of defense you're playing – there's no doubt that the dude has speed, and if you let him get out there, he's going to do it. And he can also be there in the passing game as well. Yeah, Mark Ingram has also proven he's a he's a good pass catching back. And you know, I, Peterson can catch the ball, but that's not his forte. And we have seen him fumble when that's the case. So, I but I do think that they're trying to use this running back system to protect Drew Brees and not have him pass so much because he's getting older and and get, opening up that offense for him and and that's that's also important and I think you know you got to remember the Vikings have a terrific defense that you're going against at this point I think Peterson also wanted to go against his old team and show them something and that might have been a little bit of the you know anger and and everything else Mm-hmm. But now you're going against an angry Patriots team who Barely. is coming off a humiliating loss. I think there's no other way to say it. You're in the Superdome, which the Saints generally, this is where they play the best. Uh, they do not play uh, very well away from home. So considering the defensive issues that are present for the Patriots everywhere, or at least in all three found, you know, phases of their defense now, not where it was shored up last year. Do you think we go back to the shoot it out style of the Saints for this game then? Personally, I think they have to. Now, granted, it's worked further than before, and... You're looking at a New England offense to where Brady starting to show his age a teeny bit. So you're showing that you really can win a shootout. 
I just hope that it doesn't become the overwhelming theme for the Saints for the rest of the season. What do you think, Gary? I mean, do you think that's that's what you expect, or did the Patriots just? I just can't see the Saints just getting shut down at home like that. Yeah, they probably won't get shut down at home, uh, but I think that you know what Eric is alluding to as well is what I kind of felt like, you know, you know, coming into the season as. They want to do all these great things, you know. They they want to run the ball more. They want to, like you mentioned, Sean, protect Drew Brees. But I don't think that the defense is going to allow them to do that so much. And this is a game that I think is going to prove that to you. I, sure, I, I think Drew Brees will get his. I mean, heck, they'll they may score two, three touchdowns. But I really feel like the New England defense is not that bad. I think honestly, they they have you know some key guys in there, and I think that they're going to force. Drew Brees to be the guy. I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to be able to do it, and I don't think any of these other guys are going to be able to do it by themselves to help Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees is going to have to try to make a shootout happen just so he can get the victory, but man, that Patriots defense is sure they kind of let themselves down against Kansas City, but I think they're out for revenge, and I think it's a dangerous thing for New Orleans to be walking into. So I got the Patriots. What are your predictions here? I'm going New England, too. Yeah, I'm making it three for three. I, and I said it before, with New England losing to the Chiefs, but what they go on to do the rest of the season, I can't count the team out. As much as I want to, as much as I want to create multiple voodoo dolls, I can't. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine the Patriots going 0-2. Usually Brady has these bounce-back games. And even though he did show some of that age or whatever, I I still say, I mean, they put up quite a bit of points. It's not like they just didn't compete with the Chiefs. It was more about that that Patriots defense just couldn't handle uh, that offense. Uh, if, you know, that, that could happen again here. Uh, the problem is that the Saints defense is still the Saints defense, and it could really be about who has the, the last possession and everything else. I, I did forget to mention that Brian Cushing, the Houston, Texas linebacker, is now going to serve a 10-game suspension for performance-enhancing substances. He will not play again until November 28th for the Texans. Uh, he had 65 tackles for them last year. He's a big part of that. You know, linebacking crew there, they kind of did okay without him uh, this week with Dylan Cole in there. But how much is he going to be a miss? Uh, No, go ahead, Gary. No, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Eric. Uh, You know, I don't know how much. I I think, you know, he's been a, a big help to that defense. You know, he at times was really showing flashes of, you know, great play. But, you know, let's be honest. This guy has been out more than he's been in for the Houston Texans with injuries uh, and suspensions. Things like that have caused him to not really being around. And that's the the sucky part about this is is because the guy has talent. And it's been proven, but it's just he can't stay around. He can't stick in here and help his team. So I, I think it does affect them. But how much really does it affect them? Because I don't think that they really know at this moment. 
and, and I really agree. I mean, with all the focus on with Houston and their corners and everybody really game planning the most for J.J. Watt, Ryan Cushing has gone from the hero, the potential Texans legend, to really the forgotten, injury-prone, now suspension, just guy. He's a great bonus when he's there, but they get along just fine, especially recent years without him. Yeah, they've had to deal with this before. Again, this there's a reason why he's getting the 10-game suspension because he served a four-game one uh, earlier in his career. I think they're much better equipped to deal with him now with the tremendous amount of skill players they have on that defense. Uh, I think you do have to worry about that secondary a little bit because some of those guys came up injured in this game. But, I mean, the fact that, those, that Houston had to bring up a guy from the practice squad to play tight end in that game because all three tight ends were out was just amazing to me. But that's yeah, Houston, yeah, that's that's crazy. But speaking of teams that were out and now back, Tampa Bay had to sit out a week due to the hurricane uh, issues, and we talked the, about that at the top of the show, Eric. So Tampa Bay at home. Against a Chicago team that showed up to play at home against Atlanta. And very nearly, if somebody would have been able to catch a ball, could have actually gotten the upset over the Falcons in week one. Uh, no Kevin White. He's broken his collarbone. This is the third year in a row that he goes on some kind of IR. He has played five career games. Let me tell you, that, that, that's not good. Uh, that Look, that's a sign from the universe. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not meant to play professional football. I'm going to retire. I'm going to do something else. Or if you're the Bears, what the- uh, there's that cut line that needs to happen. It's just, I, I, I mean, just don't know how that's a plus for your team. Well, well, it's pretty much a minus at this point, and it's pretty sad because, as you say, someone catches a touchdown pass. Mike Glennon doesn't take a sack in the last minute of the game. You're talking an upset win. So for a team that's kind of riding this sort of momentum and you get that happening, and especially getting a fantastic game from all quarterbacks, Mike Glennon, uh, this is just kind of those, well, what now situations. Well, Gary, you know, is this a Mike Glennon revenge game here? He's going against his old team. You know, it, it would be nice to see that just because it would add some drama, right? I mean, but uh, I'm not really thinking that's going to happen because, let's be honest, uh, his team is better. You know, so his all team's better, I should say. Yeah, I I think at home, Tampa Bay, first game of the season, I think people are going to be, I think you're going to get the opposite of what you got in Houston. People are going to be a little uh, extra rankbunctious because of what happened there with the, with the hurricane and everything. Uh, they're going to be excited for this game. Jameis Winston wants to show that he's, 
he's continuing to improve. He's got Deshaun Jackson there now. Uh, they can liven up that. He can run up the defenses. You got Mike Evans. It's like, who do you want to cover? If you're Chicago, do you have the, the corners that can deal with that? I don't know if that's the case. And, and that Tampa Bay defense continues to improve. And they have been... I think they're out to, to show that this is a, a Tampa Bay defense you don't want to mess with. I think Mike Lennon's going to have a problem. And, yeah, it's I don't think he does as well as, as he did last week. And Tampa Bay winds up winning this one. Not to mention the fact that Tampa Bay is trying to live up to or wants to live up to expectations saying this could potentially be their year to win the NFC South. I think that they make themselves a statement because it's not just the Glennon revenge game. It's, Hey, this is why we got rid of you. We're okay without you. Bucks take their home opener. And if I'm Jordan yeah, Howard, I'm, I'm right watching out you. for my, my job. Terry Cohen is, is fastly, taking his carries yeah uh, exactly you're right on that too yeah you know i, I you know like i said before it, it would be really fun to have a game that would be you know equally yoked you'd have my glennon coming out there looking good and then you'd, you'd have james winston you know coming out there and him matching him and all that it's it just it's not plausible uh, i'm sorry glennon Try another year. Try another team. I don't think this is your revenge time. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, three for three again on this one so far. <laughs> Carolina dismantled a bad 49ers team that has Brian Hoyer starting a quarterback. That's already a problem. The Buffalo Bills beat a equally bad Jets team that I don't know if they have talent to put on the field in certain spots, honestly. Uh, they fought because it's a divisional game, and I think they were wanting to fight for the coach and everything, but uh, Josh McCown didn't look too good. Tyrod Taylor looked better, but again, let's see what they do. Let's see what he does against a real defense in the Carolina Panthers here who looked pretty damn good. Cam Newton didn't really have to pass a lot because the the running game, they ran about 42 times, I think it was, in the previous game. You know, it's if you're the Panthers, do you just make Tyrod Taylor try to beat you here? Just stack it and, and make it to where LaShawn McCoy can't be a weapon? And, or, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Taylor can beat you with his legs just about any day of the week. But I don't think the Bills fully have it. They're getting there. But he's only hit and miss when it comes to beating you with his arm. Carolina knows that. Carolina is going to take advantage of that. Will he be better than Brian Hoyer? I think a little bit, but marginally. Carolina, it's another cupcake win for them. Gary, do you think yeah. this makes Cam Newton better? That he's not 
having to be the offense and he's not having to pass as much that they can rely on McCaffrey Stewart and some of the other guys? Or do you worry that people are going to say, oh, Cam's regressing or stuff like that? You know, people are always going to be harsh critics against Cam Newton. It's just, it's going to be his life, right? Because the guy has so much confidence about him himself he is a big strong quarterback that you know has had some really great times and I think that you know no matter what he does he's going to get some criticism but I will say this I I do think that that running game will complement him very well and sure he may not be the only guy you know making all the things happen on that offense but that's a positive positive thing because that opens up the field so much more for him i think it'll open up even more chances for him to be using his arm more than his legs and i think it's going to give him also a chance to stay healthier at times you know in the past you know especially last year injuries were big with him but keeping him from doing everything he wanted to do and so a running game will give him that chance to stay healthy give him that opportunity to use his arm in a more regular basis instead of you know just depending on some of the old habits. So I, I, I'm all for that. And I think this could be a game where we see that, right? I mean, sure, he may have fun and decide to run the ball a little bit by himself just because he wants to do it. But I, I think, you know, especially like, you know, a team that's really not going to match up very well with him, he is going to depend on some of those other things like the running game. And I, and I hope it does happen that way, you know, just for him, for his sake. And, I, I, you know, I like Cam Newton. I don't like his confidence all the time sometimes, but I do like Cam Newton. Uh, Carolina's winning this game. <laughs> Hands down, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at home at Bank of America, not losing it. You know, Harry can be the homer he wants here, but just – I just can't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, uh, let I think we can uh, go through this one quickly. Arizona going into Indianapolis. No Andrew Luck still. Jacoby Brissett might start. I think they haven't totally confirmed that he is uh, the starter. I don't think that that makes them any better. Maybe he can move around and stuff, but I mean, we've only really seen like one real game. Uh, from him that wasn't preseason and that wasn't very good. It's maybe he connects with T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief and some, you know, Jack Doyle, all that better. But I just, I can't see it. It's just Arizona's coming off a a loss that probably should have been a win. They had to deal with the fourth quarter comeback and got beat. People are starting to ask questions about Carson Palmer again. I think he kind of wants to go in here and do what the Rams did and just whoop the Colts so people will shut up for a week. I'm going to boil it down to this one simple question. Is Jacoby Brissett in New England? Nope. Cardinals win going away. (sighs) Bigger question. Does Indianapolis have a a defense that can stop anyone. <laughs> uh, uh, and, of course, an offense, an offense that can move the ball. No. Uh, this It's just a sucky, sucky situation for the Colts, and I hate that. But, you know, the Cardinals lost a big piece. And, I mean, Johnson, I mean, 
mean, uh, such a great talent, and it's a big, huge bummer and a huge loss for the Cardinals to lose David Johnson. And, and we did see Arizona in week one not, you know, really present themselves as well as I think they wanted to. This is a chance for them to get that, you know, even though it is against a team that I think a majority of the teams in the league right now are going to have success against. So Cardinals, easy victory. I think it's just it's one of those that shocks you, right? When David Johnson, the guy you based a lot of your offense around, goes away, you kind of have to change on the fly, and that that really hurts you. You now have a week to prepare for the knowing that you're not going to have David Johnson. You do have Chris Johnson back as he re-signed with the Cardinals after the injury, and you also have Kerwin White who should uh, fill in decently so I think between those two guys you also got Andre Andre Ellington back there now you got the running back by committee and I think it it will work well enough especially against the Colts yeah Mm -hmm. this isn't a blowout I'm gonna be super surprised yeah Carson Palmer you're gonna get a chance to look young again man at (laughs) least you hope yeah anyway uh, if you're you're Carson Palmer at that point some very interesting uh, matchups uh, left for the the one o'clock games though. After this, uh, a a divisional matchup between the Jacksonville Jaguars at home at Everbank Field. They are also playing there after the hurricane against the Tennessee Titans team. That hey, they they slugged it out with the Raiders, but the Raiders eventually put them away. Couldn't stop Marshawn Lynch. Uh, so Beast Mode got to look like Beast Mode again. Uh, this is one of those times where I miss Randy so he can sigh about the fact that we still have to talk about Marshawn Lynch uh, in the league. But this should uh, make you feel good about Leonard Fournette then against the Tennessee <laughs> Titans, a Jaguars team that just ran the ball as much as they wanted and then passed only when they had to because that defense was ridiculous. Kind of hard to expect the defense to do that twice, though, Eric. No, I honestly don't. I mean, I've been telling everybody I know down here, calm down, one game. This was the aberration. This is not the standard. The Titans, and I have to go back to what you say about the divisional games. This is too back-to-back. Things are going to balance themselves out. Jaguars are going to be one and one. Gary, I mean, we saw the Titans kind of go away from the dual-headed running attack. They kind of had led them last year to the record they had. I mean, it wasn't the greatest record, but they were still in playoff contention for a lot of the year because of that. And honestly, if you think about it, their weapons outside of Delaney Walker are sort of limited on the passing game. Corey Davis looked good, but I mean, why go away from something that worked? Yeah, I mean, that is true. And I think I was a little surprised about that. I think that they were kind of coming into this game not wanting to be predictable. And not only that, trying to see what they could do in the passing game. And to some extent, it worked a little bit. But for the most part, I think at times it did kind of hesitate their offense and kind of keep them from doing a lot of the things that they would like to do when it comes to, to spreading the ball around and also, you know, making sure that they were a little bit more balanced. So I think in the long run, it did affect 
their game. And I think that they really need to try to home back in on that running game. And hey, I mean, their, their offensive line isn't terrible for sure. And I think given, you know, what DeMarco Murray has proved with this team, he can still get things going and at least get some, you know, four yard, yard runs and, you know, maybe, you know, here, there and everywhere. And that way that, you know, you give Mariota a chance to kind of relax a little bit and take some pressure off him. So I don't know why they got away from it. I, to me, it's a little mind boggling too. I was really expecting us to get some of the same formula, but once again, when you, they, they were facing a really good Oakland Raiders team, and I think that they kind of felt a little probably, uh, I, I don't mean hesitant, but a little bit worried about going with the same formula for the fact that that Oakland defense is not bad. And uh, they had to you know pass a little bit more than they wanted to. I'm going to go against Eric here. I think Jacksonville wins. I think that defense plays well enough. Uh, you run it with Fournette. Yeah, you're going to be missing Allen Robinson out for the season on IR now at torn ACL, which that's a big blow. But I think it's time. It's that time to see what D.D. Westbrook can do, see what uh, if Marquise Lee is, is back and healthy and ready to go again. I think you've got the weapons to kind of cover for Robinson. Are you going to use them? Let's see. I mean, I think you can even use Chris Ivory in the past game if you want. So. Uh, this is a very evenly matched team, if you ask me. I think both these squads come out, and I think it's going to be a very, very close matchup. If Field Goal could probably win this game because it's going to be that close. Uh, but it, it, my, my point in all this is who do I really, at the end of the day, feel like is going to win? It could be either or. I am going to go with Eric, though. I'm going to put Tennessee in a leader here because I think I still need to see more from Jacksonville. I don't know that the team that Jacksonville faced last week is all that good. Even after watching him in game two, I still don't think that the Texans are maybe as good as I wanted them to be this year. Yeah, and Cleveland were close to getting a, a win at home against the Steelers, uh, but... Antonio Brown had a big day. Uh, Le'Veon Bell did not, so the Browns did a pretty good job in controlling him. And now they go against the Ravens offense that was fine enough to split carries between Buck Allen and Terrence West. And that defense was absolutely just taking guys down. The Steelers sacked Kaiser a ton. Should we kind of expect the same from the Ravens here? They're going to be getting at Kaiser. I, I think so. Would. Oh, I'm sorry, Gary. No, 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 go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I, I personally would because let's face it. Can we really expect the Ravens offense to put up the same performance like they did against Cincinnati? I know that they really have to lock down and... Kaiser, although he's great when he has some time and makes throws, he gets that rookie fluster just like almost every other rookie quarterback. And they're going to be looking to knock him down, make him uncomfortable, do whatever to throw him off his game. So that way when Ryan Mallett leads the Ravens onto the field to try to score points, the pressure's off him a little bit. Wait, you say Flacco's going to get hurt again? Oh, he's back now. I really didn't notice. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Gary, I mean. Oh my heart. Gary, uh, Ben Roethlisberger says that uh, Cleveland is going to surprise people this year. So, you know, uh, are could we su- expect a surprise in this game? You know, you may actually get a chance to actually see a competition here. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny to be, you know, if I could believe anyone, I think it's Big Ben uh, because, you know, he's faced this team so many times. He knows what Cleveland's all about. He's seen all the competition year in, year out. And I think he may have saw something this year. And that young defense, and maybe, heck, maybe he saw a few things even on their offense. And I, I could understand that. And I think in this game, we may still see some of that come out true. I think the Ravens defense definitely had a great week one. They they really came out strong. And do I think that they're a strong defense? Yeah, I still think that to this day. And they added some really, you know, honestly uh, important pieces to that puzzle to make sure that they stayed good. I don't know that I can really depend on Cleveland to win, but could I see another week uh, two game very similar to their week one? Yeah, I think Cleveland's going to put up a fight. Do I think they're going to win? I, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, I'm thinking the Ravens are going to win at home here. Uh, you know, Terrell Suggs, the ageless one. Teammates calling him Benjamin Button. After the, <laughs> He uh, apparently just gets better with age. And uh, I think he's going to be leading this defense to getting that Kaiser. Flacco's going to do just enough. Running game will do what they do and... Ravens couldn't win, but it. I think it'll be another one, clo- another close one for the Browns. I, I think they're just going to be improving week by week here. What do you think, Eric? You you can't stop Sis, but only for so long. I mean, I am going to, for the first time in several years, give Cleveland some sort of credit, but I think it's going to take another week. For them to really gel and get things going. Baltimore takes this one, but don't be surprised that even at 0-2, Cleveland potentially finds themselves at 500 in a couple of weeks. Hey, that'd be nice to see. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to be traveling to Kansas City. Two teams that are coming in 1-0. and Two teams that looked, their defenses looked really dominant. And even though, you know, both uh, the Redskins had a shot to win and that blew up in their face. Uh, <laughs> I, I, oh, you know. Where were the chance of, oh, you like that? You like that? I feel like at Arrowhead, though, it's such a tough place to play. Alex Smith, I think, has a chip on his shoulder because he knows, and he said it uh, this week, that he knows that he's under the gun there, that he kind of has to force Mahomes not to get on the field next year. And the only way he's going to do that is to play really well this year. And uh, Carson Wentz has looked better in year two. He's... You know, got better weapons around him. That defense is still what it is. Can the Eagles pull off the upset? Mm, no. Now, granted, this is a potential letdown game for Kansas City. 
given what they did in New England, but I I don't see it from the Eagles yet. I mean, it took a while for them to put the Redskins away, and I don't have a lot of faith in the Redskins. Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I, you know, I think Philadelphia has done, uh, you know, a lot to improve. I really do. And, and you got Carson Wentz with another year uh, uh, to really prove himself, to, to really showcase that, hey, you know, I was a rookie last year and I really did pretty solid, but I've got much more to offer now with the year under my belt. And I think he's going to come into this game and he's going to do some very positive things. I think Kansas City's defense is still good. And, and really a defense that's going to do a lot of things to kind of throw Wentz off. But I still find that Wentz is going to have a little bit of success here. I, I think overall, though, I think Kansas City is just a little too daunting right now. I, I think what you got in week one was two divisional teams battling it out. And just really what happens in divisional games sometimes, sometimes one of those teams comes in. And knows a little bit, you know, more of the formula and outsmarts the other. Who knows what happens next time? You know, the Redskins and the Eagles face off. But these division wins aren't the same as going into playing some of these bigger teams like Kansas City and you know Oakland and teams like that. So this may be a little bit too daunting of a task for the Eagles. But I, Sean, you asked the question: Could the Eagles surprise? I am not. I, I'll say it this way: I would not bet on this game. I just wouldn't because I I could see the Eagles finding a way to do it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Kansas City here myself. But, uh, you know, the Eagles have a ridiculous front seven. Uh, The Chiefs have a really good one as well. Uh, The Eagles are going to be without Ronald Darby for a little bit, though. Uh, They traded for him, and he's been such a key piece for them. Uh, Since that trade, looked good in the preseason, looked good in week one until he got injured. Uh, that's going to be a blow uh, for them in that secondary. Of course, the Chiefs, are, you know, they already know they're out without Eric Berry. So it's, you know, both teams ailing on the defensive backside. I wonder if that that makes this uh, a more higher scoring game. But mm-hmm. it should be fun to watch nonetheless. Who you got, Gary? Yeah, I'm going to go with Kansas City, too. Like I said, I, I think this could be a little bit more daunting task for the Eagles to overcome, but I think it's going to be a very good game, and I don't think that you know Kansas City is going to run away with it. Eric, Kansas City as well? Yeah, I, I said it at the beginning. I mean, yes, Philadelphia is going to keep it close, like Gary said, but I think while they're going to have the big head, I think Kansas City has figured out a lot of things and. Now that they've sent the message, they want to keep sending that message and put early pressure on Oakland for the AFC West. Yeah, speaking of Oakland, uh, I don't think that they have to worry about the pressure too much. They're at home against the lowly Jets. (laughs) And coming from my friend the New Yorker, a diehard Jets fan, he made a very solid point with this long and storied rivalry it usually depends on who's the home team since this is out west Raiders bring this one home 
we should note that the Raiders still play much better on the road than they do at home. True, but again, they play fantastic at home against the Jets. Oh, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, the Raiders are going are gonna to win this one. Gary? I'm uh, sorry. I missed. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I missed that last part. What were you saying? Raiders or Jets? Okay, so uh, the I mean, this is just man. Gosh darn it! Oh, how are the Jets going? <laughs> Raiders? No, I, I think the Raiders are. Too, I'm trying to make this more interesting. You know, uh, I don't uh, think there is a way. <laughs> I know. I was just sitting here trying to to make a joke because really this this is I don't want to say that man that's ugly I don't want to say this game's a joke I, I just I think that the Oakland Raiders are too talented right now I think they've got too much to offer and it, it for just really good teams they're going to be tough to overca- overtake this year so Oakland's an easy pick for me another very tough matchup to predict I think it makes a difference that it is at Heinz Field where Pittsburgh Tends to let things air out a bit more. They get more adventurous in the passing game. However, if there's a team that can match up with them uh, secondary-wise and and pretty much everything on that defense, it's the Minnesota Vikings. And Sam Bradford sure looked good. All right. are, we, are we ready to buy Sam Bradford as... Is finally coming out to to prove that number one draft pick status here. Did you, did you hear commentary and the way they were talking about him all Monday night? I mean, this guy. Oh my is, God! Yeah, he's the. He is my okay. So Joe Montana, you better start signing autographs again soon before this guy's value goes up way more than yours because. The, 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 this guy's already in the Hall of Fame. He's amazing. Okay, Sam Bradford, he did a great job. Don't want to take that away from him. Let's see more before we start annoying this guy, the next big thing, right? So, uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting game, right? I mean, I don't know, Eric. What do you think? Do you think Sam Bradford, do we buy the hype? I'm not going to buy, but I am going to not sell. I would say he's upgraded to a hold. If we're using stock terms, <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. It's like, okay, last season set the record, 71.8% completions. Fantastic. His yards per attempt sucked. This time, great. 80% of his passes completed, over 300 yards in a game. That almost never happens in a season opener. But like I say with Jaguars and their fans, it's one game. Yeah, against the Saints defense that still not stopping people. Exactly. You really think Pittsburgh is going to let that happen on their turf? I no. Now granted, if he goes ahead and proves me wrong, I'm going to shut my mouth utter for the words boomer sooner. Okay. But now I'm going to hold my breath on that one. Yeah, I think what they do have to worry about here is that here's another team that could really make life hell for Lavian Bell, who's already coming off a really bad performance in the first game. 
And then Ben Roethlisberger needs to make sure he, you know, takes care of the ball because he's probably going to have guys coming at him and in that front four that are dangerous for the Vikings. So, yeah, just this is good. This could even be one of those low-scoring games, but I, I'm still going to say Steelers at home are going to win. Uh, did we all are we all picking the Steelers here? Yeah. Yeah, I, I got to pick the Steelers in this one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, to be honest with you, I think the only way this thing gets even closer is if they were to play in Minnesota. Uh, I think home field advantage is going to be big for Pittsburgh, and, and I think also for the fact that, you know, we're going to get a chance to see really, like you know, Eric was saying, what Sam Bradford's about in this matchup because the Pittsburgh defense, a lot more talented than what we saw in New Orleans. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I really am. And I also want to see what Cook has to offer, you know, facing a defense like, you know, Pittsburgh has to offer too. So it's going to be a fun game, but I got Pittsburgh. The Seattle Seahawks had a divisional game against the 49ers. At home, Brian Hoyer's coming to town. Uh, Seattle's winning this thing. Even if... The 49ers cause pressure because Seahawks offensive line is that bad. It's just it's talent just overrides whatever the 49ers are going to bring. Uh, I, I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on this. There's no reason to. You're right, Sean. Seahawks win this game. The only thing I'm going to say is it is a division game. Weird things happen, but the weird things that are going to happen in this game is that the 49ers look a little bit better than they should. That's about the biggest surprise you're going to get. Another one of the things that you never think would come together. This is not the same Brian Hoyer that was in Cleveland. Well, yeah, but I mean, he was I, he was decent in Houston, so. Well, again, decent, and then got knocked upside the head a couple times. I mean, that'll do it for anybody. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that I have to say this is not the same whoever that you saw in Cleveland, you've already got two and a half strikes against you. Seattle takes this one. The Los Angeles Rams just absolutely ran all over on the defensive side anyway. Uh, and, and offensively, just not Todd Gurley. Uh, over over the Indianapolis Colts, they now get to play the Washington Redskins. Man, uh, you know what? I think the Rams could win this one and go to 2-0, and honestly. I mean, Cooper Cup, was, look, he made some amazing plays in that game. And then you have Sammy Watkins there to throw the ball to. Uh, Todd Gurley was catching pass because he couldn't really run. Uh, I think Gurley could do much better on the ground in this game. And then you got a Los Angeles Rams defense that welcomes back Aaron Donald. Oh, this dear week. God. And this if you're is, Kirk Cousins, what... oh, and let's not hmm. add and forget that Sean McVay was the play caller for the Redskins. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't see that. I, I, I don't see how there's a 
good things happening for Kirk Cousins and, and Washington here. The Rams seem to have all the hold all the cards. To the Los Angeles Rams, I am only going to mention this once. I am picking you to win this game. I actually like you. I think you are once again a proud, competent Los Angeles franchise. While I will sit back and celebrate your 2-0 start when it becomes official, I will not fully support you as long as there is a gold remaining in your uniforms. You took it out of the helmet? Commit. That is all. Oh man! Somehow poor St. Louis. Talking about jerseys in this game. Uh, you know, poor St. Louis. They just never get any love, and they, they, Eric doesn't want them to get love in jerseys either. That's okay. Uh, Did you like the uh, color rush this week? I, li- I like the Houston ones. Mm-hmm. I think Houston did very well, and I'm glad to see Cincinnati repeat it. I like their last season. They stuck with it. Very well done. Go ahead, Gary. I, I just going to say, you know, the poor Bengals get, you know, left with that pretty close to all white on theirs. And, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Houston's look great, though. I'll say that. Uh, but how about this week's game? Uh, you know, the Rams. Rams facing off against a Redskins team that really is not what they were last year. And I think that they felt like they were going to come in and they were going to have that same success they were last year. They lost too much on offense. They are not really there on defense. And sure, the Rams, it's, we may not pick them very often this year. Uh, you know, Maybe we will. Maybe we're completely wrong this early in the season, but... This is a game I really feel strongly that the Rams are going to go on and take this home because of the fact that they are coming off such a big high in week one. And I don't know that the Redskins are really all that confident in themselves right now. And I don't think they're really confident even in in what they've got there. And maybe their quarterback isn't inspiring like he was last year. Yeah, I think uh, you had problems running the ball. That's going to be a case against the Rams here again which is going to create problems for Kirk Cousins because then become one-dimensional. And that's going to just open you up to so many right into the Rams' hands, and that's that's going to make their defense just salivate. And I could see Cousins throwing some interceptions here. Uh, not to mention, again, if that offense gets going, going to be hard for the Redskins' defense to stop them. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if this is close, honestly. Uh, Rams win. Everybody picking the yep, Rams? right there with you. Mm-hmm. All right, so some tasty matchups left. Let's get into the last one involving uh, Florida teams here, though. Miami Dolphins finally get to get on the board and play as they take on the Los Angeles Chargers that almost made a comeback but just quite couldn't do it on Monday Night Football. Uh, it. Hey, Q and Allen dropped some passes, but overall, Philip Rivers still looking like Philip Rivers. That defense is going to be a problem uh, for Jay Cutler. 
Uh, I would expect that they're going to be in his face. Uh, you could say the same for Phillip Rivers and, and the Miami defense as well. As his offensive line still has some major issues. But I, I'm going to give, going into StubHub Center, uh, I'm going to say the Chargers have a better home record than uh, the Gallic Galaxy do. And they get a win over uh, Dolphins. Mm, as much as I want to believe in the awesomeness that is smoking Jay Cutler and the fact that I believe, was it the Chargers that said we're going to prepare for Cutler like he's Joe Montana? I'm like, my God. I know weed is legal recreationally out there now, but good Lord, don't take so many hits at once. It's bad for you. Uh, all that said, I think it was just kind of a heartbreaking loss against Denver. I think the Chargers bounce back and win. Yeah, this is a game that, that you know, I, I think it surprised a lot of people and it being closer uh, than we would, you know, maybe come into it, you know, considering. But I, I think you're right. I think the quarterback situation for Miami, they've got to see what they have. And right now they didn't have a week one. Uh, so we're still up in arms on, you know, how this offense is going to look under Jay Cutler. I don't know that it's going to be hot right away. I, I don't know if they're really going to be prepared for everything maybe San Diego has to bring to the table. So I'm going to go San Diego too on this one, guys. But I, I'm going to be San honest Diego. with you. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? Hold on a second. They moved. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, wait a minute. I know I'm talking about Philip Rivers. Gary, I'm not gonna. No. I'm not gonna consider Los Angeles because Los Angeles doesn't deserve two teams. I'm still saying that. You are. You are right about yeah, okay. that. Though, the, Gary. the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm picking them. Although I would still pick San Diego as well. Okay, uh, oh, cool. because I think that man, the Dolphins are that bad. They, if some no, they're not that bad. San Diego just, State came and played them. They're gonna lose. No. Okay, <laughs> just, just a quick time out to refresh everybody. Hardly anybody realizes that the Chargers were originally in Los Angeles. And, yes, they, they can hold their own with two teams. They did it for some 15 years. It's just a different two teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people wanted the Raiders, so they didn't necessarily want the Chargers. No, they didn't. The Chargers, that's a San Diego thing, and I mentioned this on one of our other shows. L.A. County is Raiders town. Not ever since the Rams moved south to Anaheim in the late 80s. And going back to the Jerseys thing, had they even stuck with those, I would have been fine with. But I'll save that rant for later. Well, the... uh... I hope it's the Fox game of the week so I can watch it, but knowing my luck, they'll cut it off for the Dolphins game and I won't get to see it, but I'll have to wait till it shows up on Game Pass. The Dallas Cowboys go in and visit the Denver Broncos, Trevor Simeon, and that vaunted uh, Broncos defense, Lyle Collins has to go in and deal with JPP, and now he gets to deal with Von Miller, 
the joys of being a right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys this year. And, yeah, the, the rest of that offense also gets to go in and deal with, with that defense as well. This should be a very interesting game. Uh, Zeke already knows that his time might be counting down as the NFL already filed an appeal, although those injunct- those, those uh, appeals are hardly ever overturned, but this is the NFL. They work magic sometimes. I, f- I feel like the Cowboys go into mile high and win. Uh, I'm going to say I, I don't know if I'm totally sold on the defense yet. That's a divisional game. They were really hyped to beat the Giants that they didn't beat at all last year. You're now facing two very capable receivers in Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. That's a lot more than you had to deal with against the Giants. You can't just focus on Brandon Marshall and just let everybody else do whatever. This creates a a bigger problem for that defense. That being said, I think this is one on the offensive side of the ball, and I have a lot more faith in Dak Prescott than I do in Trevor Simeon and doing what they're supposed to do. Plus, you got Zeke, and he's he's the guy that, that makes things go. Uh, for the Cowboys at the end of the day, Dallas is going to keep their role and they go 2-0. and Trevor Simeon in the Denver offense nearly blew a 24-7 lead. And honestly, had they not called that last time out and did that little bit of scouting, they could have potentially lost an overtime I don't even see them getting out to that big of a lead to begin with. I think the Cowboys take it. Oh, boy. So this is, you know, a really interesting matchup for a lot of the things you guys just mentioned. And I really think that there are some flaws on both sides here. And really, it's kind of funny because some of the flaws really equal up to what the other team is good at. But at the end of the day, I kind of follow the path that you're talking about there, Sean. Do I really trust Trevor Simeon to be that guy that's going to sure, you know, he, he has opportunities here against some young corners to, you know, burn them and to really make a big heyday out of it. But is he going to be able to, and are, are they really going to try to get the running game started there in Denver? Are they going to try to do some things that maybe we haven't seen yet? There's a no telling, but I think at the end of the day, the Dallas running game is pretty darn strong. And I think that's what's going to be the Achilles heel of the Denver Broncos because they were not good at stopping the run last year. As we saw in this past game against the Los Angeles Chargers, Thank God I remembered. Uh, they were, you know, <laughs> not at good at really holding Melvin Gordon to just even just on the ground. They had to deal with Melvin Gordon through the air, too. And they were not even successful at that point. So I think that running game is really what's going to be the Achilles heel. I think Dallas wins. I don't know if they win big, but I think Dallas wins this game. I still respect that Denver defense, despite I think that their run pass, their pass defense is going to definitely be better than their run defense. I think you also have to put in the fact that the Cowboys are very good at stopping the run themselves. You make Trevor Simeon one-dimensional, that's a huge detriment to that team. 
That's where he reminds everybody that he played collegiately at Northwestern. Yep. I still contend that Northwestern was good last year. We're still having this conversation. Uh, Again, Trevor Simeon, I didn't even know he was a Northwestern quarterback. I always knew him as, oh, yeah, he was that guy that wanted students to unionize. Oh, look at him. So adorable. Well, uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, So... We got two big games left. The Sunday night game is a rematch of the NFC champion. NFC, yes, NFC championship game. Uh, the Green Bay Packers going into Atlanta. Mercedes-Benz opening game for the Falcons. Uh, they dodged the bullet against Chicago. Still got to face the NFC North. Uh... Look, I, I think the Packers somehow look better than last year. Uh, that defense was absolutely a problem for that Seattle Seahawks offensive line. And though the Atlanta Falcons offensive line is much better, I think you also have to give credit here that it took an Austin Hooper ridiculous 88-yard touchdown with a nasty-ass stiff arm uh, to really kind of put that game in the state that it was in. We saw Randall Cobb be a big factor for the Packers, which he hadn't been for years. Uh, you know, Tom Montgomery is established now. Uh, you got Joyny Nelson still there doing his thing. I think Martellus Bennett, we haven't seen him get to his full potential yet. Uh I just feel like this is a game that could easily become this big old shootout or whatever, but I don't know. I I really like what I saw from the Packers defense, and I kind of feel like I almost trust them more uh, than I do the Falcons. I think the Packers could pull a Giants and and do the big upset on on the first game. Mm. Only. Only. Only because I've seen the recent magic that Mercedes-Benz Stadium has had. I'm picking the Falcons in a nail-biter. It's not going to be a shootout. It's definitely not going to be like the NFC Championship game, how that unfolded because of that Packers defense. I'm curious as to what the over-under is, because I would tell you how I would potentially bet that, but Atlanta in a close one. But then the magic will be gone. Okay. Yeah, you know, this is going to be really interesting. I think, you know, it's going to be a really exciting time for the Atlanta Falcons because, you know, they want to have a really strong showing here. You know, I've heard everything under the sun, why Atlanta didn't do well. Right. I've heard, you know, playing on real grass is just not their thing. But once they get on turf, who can stop them? Uh, So, you know, is that reality? Or are we looking at a mirage? You know, is the team we saw in week one really the Atlanta Falcons? I don't really 
no, to be honest with you, because I think that maybe the Atlanta Falcons are not as great as they were last year. Not saying they're a lot worse. I just don't know that they're that magical team we saw last year. I do know this, though. Aaron Rodgers is magical. He is the almighty wizard. He controls anything that he feels he needs to control. He has got that torch passed down from Tom Brady somehow. And I think he, at the end of the day, will prevail and win this game. I don't know if anything else works out. I don't know if the Green Bay defense stays true to what they were in week one and stays strong and looks great past rushing and stopping the run and doing everything under the sun. But I do know Aaron Rodgers wins game. I think this is one of them. Interesting that we have a 2-1 split here, but yeah, this should be a really fun game to watch. Can't wait for that Sunday night game. And then Monday night could be equally just as good. You presumably have the return of Odell Beckham, who finally practiced on Wednesday. He was limited, but I think he's he's going to be out there. Uh, the Giants will get a huge uplift from that and also being at home. But, uh, you know, the Lions, uh, they have a new guy in town, Mr. Galladay, and he showed off uh, that he's he's someone you want to keep an eye on. And certainly Matt Stafford worked his magic again with these fourth-quarter comebacks. I mean, the amount of comebacks this dude has is absolutely insane. Look, the, I think the Giants' defense is really, really tough, but I I don't know. I feel like I'm going to tip my hat to the Lions in this one in that even with Odell Beckham, I feel like if you're going to tell me that we're getting into a contest where it might come down to who has the ball last, I kind of have a feeling I've, I almost have more faith in the Lions scoring whatever is needed to get the win than, than the Giants. Mm. The Lions, I don't think they're going to necessarily need the fourth quarter comeback, but they have continued to adapt in the post-Megatron era, and they have showed a tremendous amount of versatility and with Golden Tate being more and more the number one guy and Amir Abdullah really anchoring a ground game, I don't know if the Giants realize the particular weapons they have yet, and it's going to take them even more time to try to... Oops. Did we lose you again here, Eric? Gary. Uh-oh. Oh, crap. Looks like my internet went out. Hold on, people. Yeah, we just had a little technical difficulty there. Uh, my router decided it wanted to go out. So, Eric, I think you're going to have to kind of restate whatever you were trying to say there. Hey, better your router than your computer, because I've definitely been there. But what I was saying was with the Lions, they showed a lot more versatility on offense. They've continued to adjust in the post-Megatron era. Uh, Amir Abdullah getting better at anchoring the ground game. Golden Tate being 
what was originally the number one receiver, although you have some big plays from another man who I have to create a nickname for because his real name currently escapes me. But he had a couple big touchdown catches against Arizona, which necessitates the nickname. Hmm. Oh, Marshmallow, where are you when I need you? But with with the weapons that the Giants do have, I don't think that they're in a situation where they can fully utilize them yet or even realize what they have yet. So I see Detroit taking this one. Yeah. I mean, you guys make some compelling points. And, you know, to me, it's as if Odell Beckham is going to be there. I have a different outlook on it. And if Odell is not there, I have a completely different outlook on it. So without Odell, uh, I I really think this team is the same as they were in week one. And they're going to have a lot of problems offensively. And their defense will get tired out, even without, you know, a guy like Ezekiel Elliott running their, you know, down their throat. Um, I think with Odell there, I think it helps them balance out a little bit. I think it presents a few other problems for Detroit. And I, I think the Giants really, sure, they've got to worry about Matthew Stafford. And, you know, Abdullah is a great back, but he's not going to pound the ball down their throat like I think Ezekiel Elliott did. I think he's, you know, a great back once again. But I think that really what we saw last week with the Giants is that defense got worn out they they couldn't breathe at times they were just so tired and i think we may be looking at a different situation here i think that maybe they're not tired out all the time i think maybe they get an opportunity here to have more success with odell beckham jr giving the eli another weapon right so i am gonna i just want to be a little different here i'll pick the giants why not i'll say the giants win and it's not a beat down or anything i think it's going to be a close game but i'll say the giants pull out one because well why they're the giants they'll find some way to win because they got their guy back yeah i think uh you're not wrong there i think it's giants are at home they should be winning this game uh especially they have odell beckham uh not to mention abdullah got 18 touches but he hardly got yards it was a much more deandre washington show and even then it still came down to the passing game uh so it kind of just depends on what you get right now from from the lions but i i picked the lions but i would not be surprised at all if it goes the other way okay we're gonna have to go through these quickly with the college because we already ran really long uh old miss and california I think I picked Ole Miss in this one. I got Cal. Yeah, give me Cal. Uh, The big SEC East uh, matchup between number 23 and 24, Tennessee and Florida. I got Tennessee. Ugh, I hate it, but Florida, barely. Yeah, I think you're right, Eric. I got Florida. Uh, the <clears throat> Southern Methodist University Mustangs, who are 2-0, taking on TCU, 
It's in Fort Worth. You know, I'm going to say the upset happens here. SMU's looked really good. SMU wins. I'm with you. I called this as my upset on the kickoff. I'm with it. I love you guys and your optimism. I'm sticking with TCU. <laughs> Why the hell are they on here? Baylor <laughs> against Duke. Oh, God. Uh, Duke at home? Yeah. yeah. Duke. <laughs> Again, why is this such a bad slate? We're having to put Baylor on there. They should not Jeez. be on these figums. Terrible. Now, now you see my big complaint against some of these ones that they pick for these things. Uh, Oregon going into Wyoming. Uh, I think it's Oregon all the way here. As much as I like Wyoming, I got to stick with Oregon. Yeah, give me Oregon. Another interesting SEC East matchup, Kentucky and South Carolina, both 2-0. This one's in Carolina. I'm going to go with the Gamecocks. Yeah, give me the Gamecocks, too. Oh! Just because I don't pick them a lot in football, give me Kentucky. Fair enough. Uh, Wisconsin against BYU. Give me Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin in a blowout. If BYU did not get past midfield against LSU. Hashtag on Wisconsin. Kansas State and Vanderbilt. I've seen some people picking the upset here. John, you know how I feel about Vanderbilt. We have long established. I I know how you feel about Vanderbilt, but I have seen Debo picking the upset because Vanderbilt's 2-0 and they're making a big deal about it. Uh, Kansas State wins. They can't lose games like this if they want to be important in the Big 12 later. As much as I want to root for Vanderbilt because of how I feel, uh, Kansas State. Yep. Although, although Commodores, you know how I feel. You know what I'm banking on. You know what I'm betting. So if you know what's good for you, you go ahead and you pull that upset. Well, Texas is going to be looking to go into the Coliseum and pull the upset on USC, like they did in that in that big championship game. But I just can't see this happening. <laughs> Uh, first time the Coliseum has sold out in four years for a USC game. USC is going to win. Darnold knows that he's been looking kind of off past couple weeks. That stops now. <laughs> yeah, USC wins big. Clemson going in to Papa John's and taking on Louisville. Uh, they figured out how to deal with Lamar Jackson last year. I don't think that changes. I think it'll be close again, but I think Clemson wins again. Louisville's defense is crap, Clemson. Yeah, uh, the sexual tension will be high, but Clemson wins. 
sexual tension? <laughs> what? Wow. What is everybody? Are you meaning everybody's waiting for Lamar Jackson to? You're going to into make? a stadium name. You're going into a stadium named Papa John's, and you got Jackson in the building. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be high. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Let's uh, uh, go on from there <laughs> to... Uh, wow, this is a weird way to end the show. But uh, yes, we are ending <laughs> the show on this. Uh, we'll be back, Eric and I will be back on Monday night after the Monday night football games to finally give you a breakdown uh, like we know how to do it here on Football to the Max of Week 2 games and we're introducing a new website edition where we're going to give you our week two takeaways, kind of giving you takeaways from each game in written form uh, where we can kind of elaborate more on what we don't get to say on the podcast. Uh, so, you know, make sure you check out W2Net.com on Wednesday mornings, maybe Wednesday afternoons uh, for that, uh, for sure. So, should be fun to get to do. Uh, and... Yeah, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button if you like what you hear. Sorry we went a little long. I think Eric and I talked a little bit too much about Hurricane Irma, and we probably went way too long on that Thursday night game. But we'll get better at this as it goes on. still only week two here. And until we uh, talk to you again, subscribe, rate, review, uh, listen to that W2 Network, W2Net.com, everything else. Uh, Last word on pro football. Thank you for listening wherever and whoever you are. See you next time, everybody. Peace. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.